I'm excited to dive into the word today. And uh, we are in the family series. Have y'all enjoyed that so far? Uh, the family series is much needed, that's for sure. Um, and I do have good news. After the second service today, we have a lot of people going public with their faith in water baptism. Would y'all give it up for all the people getting baptized today? And so if you want to be a part of that, or maybe you're here and you want to go public with your faith, it is not too late. You can do that. We got clothes for you, some shorts and a t-shirt, and uh, we would love for you to get dunked as well. Um, that will be directly following the second service. So in week one, we uh, taught about building a strong marriage. And uh, hey, raise your hand if you asked your spouse the questions from last week. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Okay, we, uh, five people. All right, we'll work on that. Um, Week two, uh, today we are talking about having a blessed home, having a blessed home. Everybody say hashtag blessed, hashtag blessed. So how many of you, just by the showing of hands, would love to have God bless your home? Would you just wave at me? Some people's hands aren't up. That means you want a cursed home. I, I don't know. We'll pray for you after service. Okay. I'm kidding, but here's the reality is that we all want to be blessed. We want our homes to be blessed. We want our kids to be blessed, our families and our finances, and we want everything to be blessed ultimately by the Lord, but here's the deal. It is often difficult for our kids and our families to be blessed because our desire doesn't match our daily discipline. I don't know if it's just you, but I can tell you for me, my desire to be blessed is sometimes outweighed by my daily disciplines to do what I want to do. I'll say it this way. Our desire to be blessed is outweighed by the desires to satisfy our flesh. Our desire to be blessed is rarely accompanied with the spiritual practices to reap the fruit of God's blessing. Now, what I'm not saying is do more so that you can get more. I'm not saying that God is a genie, that if you, if you do all the certain right things, that you will be blessed. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe if you live according to God's word, if you put God first, not in the back seat, not in the corner, but right in the middle of your life, I believe that he can bless that. Amen? So what we do on a daily basis matters. What we don't do on a daily basis matters. Would y'all agree? What you say matters. What you don't say matters. What you encourage and discourage in your home matters as well. I don't know anyone personally that desires to have ongoing tension in their home. If that's you and you, you, and if you like that, I don't know what the deal is with that, but I don't know anyone that likes to be stressed or anxious with their finances. I don't know anyone that just craves to have a rebellious kid or, or, or arguments with your spouse or your children. No, we desire the blessing of God to rest on everything that we do and say and touch. Amen. And so how do we do this? Well, what does it mean to be blessed? The, the scripture we're going to read today is Matthew chapter five. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. I um, mean, I do want to say, hey, if you need a Bible, we would love to give you one. We have them at the welcome bar out there. Feel free to snatch one of those. It won't be stealing because we gave it to you, all right? Blessed in this, this scripture that we're going to read, it means happy, but it's not happy in the way that you would think it means it. It's not happy in the world's eyes, like, I just want to be happy, and, and if everything's perfect, then I'm going to be happy. That's not what this is saying. This is actually, it means a joy 
that has its secret place in Christ Jesus. It is a joy that is serene and untouchable. It is a joy that cannot be snatched by the world because it was not created by the world. It can only be found in Jesus. And so when you are blessed, you are smack dab right in the middle of the presence of God, the favor of God, and mostly the blessing of God. So uh, just a few facts. The fact that you are alive today is a blessing. Amen. The fact that you have clothes on today is a blessing for all of us, okay? The fact that there is a place that we can come to worship freely and you are in church this morning is a blessing. The fact that you have a roof over your head is a blessing. But did you know it is also a blessing to have full trust and full reliance on God for your every need? That is a blessing. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're blessed to be by me today. (laughs) And you ignored somebody. I'm just going to say, you ignored somebody. All right, so today, how do we practically have a blessed home? I want to teach a little bit today, and I'll probably still get a little excited, but I want to teach about how to have a blessed home. Matthew 5 really unpacks what it means to be blessed. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Matthew. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Now, remember, when you read the Bible, I want you to see things that stand out. I want you to underline them, circle them, highlight them, make note of things. This is really interesting that Matthew wrote this down. It's very interesting to me that Matthew is so detailed and analytical that he wrote down and acknowledged the fact that Jesus opened his mouth to teach. Wouldn't you think that's just a common understanding? Well, yes, Jesus is teaching. He opens his mouth. Why did Matthew make note of this? I think Matthew is letting the readers know that Jesus taught just as much, if not more, with his mouth closed than his mouth open. That people could watch his actions, watch the way that he served, watch the way that he lived, and watch the way that he loved, He didn't just have to say because he modeled it in every way that he lived. So what if our kids and our peers and our friends and our spouses, our family could say this about us, that our life and our actions teach other people and point people towards Christ just as much as our words do. I just thought that was interesting. Verse 3, it says, he opened his mouth and he taught them by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. This stuff, this is like a whole sermon series. By the way, this summer, we are going to study as a church the book of Matthew. We're going to give you resources. We're going to go from the beginning of that thing all the way to the end. We're going to have a reading plan for you. It's going to be awesome. We're going to study it. It's going to be amazing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for, those will be com- for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Circle this one. We're going to lean into this today. For they will be filled. That's good news. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you. Everybody say me when people insult you, all right? So when that person comments on that post you made, okay, that's not persecution, by the way, just just an example. 
When they insult you, they persecute you, and they falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. This is Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This summer, like I said, we're going to dive into Matthew, but today I want to just really focus on this one verse. Verse number six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, you will be filled by God. When you hunger and thirst for anything else, you're filled with the world. And I just want to make a very hard contrast today because this is describing a profound hunger that cannot be satisfied by a snack, a Tostino's pizza, okay, a Hot Pocket, pizza rolls. If y'all can't tell, I'm a little hungry this morning. It's, this is, it can't be satisfied. Have you ever been really hungry before? Just kind of nod, okay. It, I, I've been so hungry like Captain D's hungry. I spoke to some of our college students this week, and there was a girl that said she liked Captain D's. I'm not going to point her out, but she may have been leading worship today. Um, I'm talking about so hungry that you would eat boiled peanuts at a gas station on your way to vacation in Florida. Anybody do that? I look at those things. No, no, no boiled peanuts. No boiled peanuts. I'm like, that stuff is like, this is like gas station sushi hungry. Like, you are so hungry. Okay, you're with me, all right? Jesus in Matthew 5 is, is teaching and speaking to a crowd of people who understood what it means to be hungry. And so he's painting a picture for them because they were longing to, for something to fill their stomachs with, but he was wanting to give them something to fill their souls with. Today, there's so many homes that are not filled with the things that matter most to God. And I'm not saying this to be condemning. I'm saying this because I want to spark a momentum in our church to fill our homes with the presence of God. The, these things in our home, they may matter most to us, but I want to ask you a bold question today. What do they matter to the Lord? Is there things that fill your life in your home and in your rooms and your garage and your attic and your storage units? And I'm not just talking about the possessions that we have. I'm talking about the things that we say. The things that we do, the things that we see, the, the everything, and this is the reality, is people are hungering for power and authority and success and comfort and happiness and whatever can be physically attained, I want to grab it and I want to get it. This is what the world says. Y'all listen, what we fill our homes with is important, would you agree? It's so important. If we want the God of the universe to fill us and fill our homes, then we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what have I told you today? That hungering and thirsting for righteousness isn't just going to fill your home, but it would radically change it. Like you could walk into your home if you began to hunger and truly thirst after the things of God. And if you did this for a month straight, your house would be unrecognizable. Like your kids would come home and be like, what happened to my parents? <laughs> and some of you, you are doing well with this, but all of us can take a step closer to Christ. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to ask you, what are you hungering for today? What are you thirsty for? What, what has the most of you? What has the most of your time, the most of your attention? Everybody look at me real quick. 
If I asked your friends or your kids, because your kids are honest. Our kids are so honest, okay? Maybe your spouse, maybe your coworkers. If I asked them what is most important to you, how would they answer? Is it popularity? Is it I just want to be liked? This is what it was for me growing up. It was sports. And I'm not knocking sports, but sports was my God until I blew my arm out. And I didn't know who I was. What has the most of you? Is it money? There's a reason the Bible talks just as much about money as it does about heaven. It's probably important to know that you can't serve both God and money. Comfort. The the next biggest thrill or the next biggest high. What is it that matters most? Is it your image? Y'all, I'm not joking, y'all. Some people that I have talked with, that I have counseled, I have struggled with this early in my faith. It's just, we just want to look the part. Just look at my clothes, my home, my cars, the way that we walk into church. God humbled my family really quick when we moved here, by the way. My first Sunday as the, the senior pastor of this church, we walked in, and I felt like everybody was looking. It was like, it was really awkward, uncomfortable. We were walking through the front doors. We were pushing. I had Zane, and Kendra was pushing the stroller. I had forgot to lock the, the car seat into the stroller. She hit that bump, and the car seat rolled like three times across the foyer. It's like, hello, you know. <laughs> Humbled, right? <laughs> Pride before the fall. This is the thing is we say, look at us, but just don't look on the inside. Look at me, but don't start asking questions about what happens at home when no one's looking. When I was a youth pastor, I y'all, this is so funny. I was meeting with a student for lunch, and this dude was awesome. He was a stud. I was was talking to him about his faith, and uh, I I said, man, I said, your family seems to really love the Lord. And he said, just come over between 8 and 11 p.m. and see if you still believe that. I was like, my goodness, I'm going to tell your mom, you know. But he said, he said, my parents yell at each other as much as I sleep, and that's all the time. And as much as I, like, kind of laughed, I was like, man, that's really sad. And, y'all, I I don't want to just look like a godly family, amen? I want to be a godly family. I don't want to just look like I follow Christ. I want to follow Christ. And, y'all, this is the reality is we all can take steps this morning. I want to ask you again, what are you hungering for? What is your family thirsty for? What, what do you want more of growing up? My mom would cook us dinner, and, um, and honestly, I, I was writing this message, and, and I was reminded of a story. It literally made me laugh out loud for like 15 minutes at the office up here. Um, this has nothing to do with the message, but I just have to tell you. Um, I, my, I have an older brother who's a year older than me. He's a pastor at our Cabot campus, and um, my mom came home, and I was beating him up. He was older, but I was always bigger. And so, um, Ricky, I hope you see that and you're watching. Uh, so I was beating him up one day, and I was cussing him out. I'm talking about, you know when you first learn how to cuss? Don't be, don't be judging me. I see y'all looking at me. Yeah, some of y'all are like, Cassian, man, grow up. All right, so I was cussing. This was my first time cussing. And so I was having fun. I was using all kinds of different tech, you know, just all kinds of things. And mom comes home from work, and I'm beating up Ricky and cussing him out. And she set me at the dinner table, and she got a Dawn dishwasher bottle of liquid soap, and she filled my whole mouth up. Mom, if you're watching this, I'm still upset about it. I'm bitter. And she said, you keep your mouth shut, and you're not eating dinner tonight. And I pro- y'all, Ricky was making me laugh at the dinner table. I had bubbles coming out of my nose. <laughs> what are you hungry for? Okay, that has nothing to do with the message. There's no way to tie it in. I just had to tell you. But growing up, at the dinner table, my mom, 
It was a rule in our house that if you don't eat what's put in front of you, then you ain't eating. Anybody grow up like that, okay? Like, you, somebody got really excited. Um, if you don't like it, then you, we're going on a mandatory fast, okay? No spiritual application at all. Like, so my responsibility was to eat and whatever my mom put in front of me. And at that point in my life, I was young. Um, I, I think I was in middle school. I hated broccoli, okay? I hated asparagus. I hated lettuce. I hated celery. Anything that I couldn't spell, I didn't want to eat it, okay? Like, except pepperoni. And so um, I didn't want to eat it, but it's so funny because the things that I hated back then are now things that I actually desire and crave today. Some of y'all are like, why? I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to live righteous, all right? I, I realize that my appetite is developed by what I feed it. If you want to hunger for something that you currently are not hungering for, start feeding yourself that thing. And you got to feed yourself that thing a lot. Would y'all agree? If y'all ever tried to get healthy, start eating things that are low in carbs and taste like dirt. The reality is, the more you eat of it, the more your appetite changes. In the same way that, that, that our family eats what we feed them physically, they also eat what we feed them spiritually. In the same way that they, they eat what we put on the table physically, they, they also eat of what we make available to them spiritually. I'm not encouraging you to force feed your children Jesus, okay, because that's not going to work. I'm not encouraging you to force feed them the Bible. That's not effective. But what I am encouraging is to make Jesus readily available in your home. What I am encouraging is to normalize seeking the face of God in front of your family. What I'm encouraging is that you would daily pursue, that you would seek first. Everybody say first, not last, not second, but first the things of God and all these things would be added to you as well. So if we want a blessed home, I think that some things would change as a kid, y'all, spiritually. It was really difficult for me to eat of the things that I didn't have access to. It was hard for me to know what God was all about. And, and y'all, I want to ask you, what spiritual appetite and what spiritual climate are you setting for your home? Because as the leaders of your family, mom and dad, maybe you're single in here. This is just a recipe for your future. You get to set the climate of your home. Y'all know that some of the biggest fights in marriage are over the thermostat. Anybody? My, fans, my, my wife sleeps with like 45 fans on in the room. It sounds like a turbo engine in there. It's just like you know, a wind going around the room. And I'm like, I'm freezing. I've got a way to, I'm, I'm like just bundled up, right? But you can set the thermostat spiritually in your home towards the Lord. I love what Galatians 5 says. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. It's opposite. And the spirit is what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. It's hard to live righteous so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It goes through the list here, sexual immorality, impurity, and it goes all the way through. Y'all listen, you can read that list. This is not a recipe to have a blessed home. But what is next is the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all circle these. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
If you want to know a good checklist in your life to live by and measure if you're doing okay in the home, go through these. I want some more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the what? The Spirit. This is what I want you to make your family goal leaving here today. I want you to write this down. We starve our flesh. We feed our spirit. We walk with Jesus. We starve our flesh. We feed our spirit. We walk with Jesus daily. Let me say it again. We starve our flesh. We feed our spirit. And we walk with Jesus daily. And I believe you'll begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness and you can have a blessed home. So I want to tell you just a few little bullet points of what not to do and what to do, okay? What not to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, legalistic Christianity. Have you all ever been around legalistic Christianity? How awesome was that? <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> legalistic Christianity says that I know in my head what to do according to the word, but my heart is hard as a rock. It's head knowledge without heart change. The Bible calls these people Pharisees. And I want to tell you this, an unchanged heart with a head full of do's and don'ts, cans and can'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, is a really dangerous combo. Would y'all agree? This is what I know is true. And growing up, this is what I heard. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't run with people who do. Okay, like that was, that was what I knew was right. And those are good things, but listen, rules from God without a relationship with God, either will lead someone to rebellion or religion. And you don't want either. Rebellion or religion, I spent a lot of my life pursuing these things. The second thing I wrote down is lukewarm Christianity. I don't know about you, but I like my coffee hot, unless it's supposed to be cold. <laughs> right in the middle is nasty. Revelation 3:15 through 16 it says I know your works you are neither cold or hot would it says would that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold I will spit you out This is this is this is the Lord speaking 2 Timothy 3:5 having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people this is what lukewarm Christianity says I believe in God but I live like I don't. I do what I say, not as I do. And this is a dangerous way to live, y'all. The reality is me and my wife, we have moments in our life where we realize that we've gotten off track. Do you know what we do? We confess our sins to each other. We ask the Lord to redirect us and we get back on track. Why? Because we are jacked up people. It doesn't matter that we're pastors. We are broken, sinful individuals that need the Lord just as much as everybody in this room. And so we have to redirect. We have to ask God to guide us or we can end up in a place that's lukewarm. I want to ask you, when was the last time you really prayed in your family? And I don't want this to condemn you, but what I want it to do is to spark something on the inside of you because you have control of the spiritual climate of your home. And I'm not talking about praying over the food and being like, Rub-a-dub-dub, bless this grub. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Then <laughs> that's great that you pray over the food, but when was the last time you prayed, like, for a miracle? Like, for a breakthrough? Like, you got with your family and prayed for lost people that don't know Christ? Like, like this city needs Jesus. Can I get an amen? I've only been here for five months, but it needs the Lord. This region needs Jesus. 
When was the last time you prayed that God would, would spark a conversation with your neighbor? Y'all, listen, lukewarm doesn't do any of those things. But you can always step out of it and towards Christ. Lukewarm Christians call radical what Jesus says is simply following him. When the vehicle of your family is no longer in drive, moving towards the things of God, you are in neutral and you're being pushed wherever the wind is blowing that day. And I know for me, I don't want my family being steered by anything other than God's word. I'm telling you, we live in a world today, it's getting crazy. We can't turn on the news, you can't turn on an ad, you can't look. You know, the world is getting crazy. I don't want the wind of the world pushing my family in any direction. My house is going to be built upon the Lord. It ain't perfect, but I'm asking God desperately, will you please bless my home? Anybody else praying that way? Lukewarm Christianity. The, the, the third one is this, hypocritical Christianity. This says, do as I say, but not as I do. I grew up with some of this seeing that y'all please promise me that you won't live this way. This is toxic, it's dangerous, and it can completely distort someone's picture of a loving heavenly father. Because here's the thing is we cannot be mad at our children or anybody following us for the, if they're doing the very things that we do. Remember, you, I just want to look the part, but don't like look deep into my life. Like, you can look on the outside, but just don't come inside. Like, here's, the, here's a good rule of thumb. Whatever I want duplicated, I do. I'm going to say it again. Whatever I want duplicated in my life, I do it. The opposite is true. Whatever I do not want duplicated, what? I don't do. If you are looking at anybody in your life saying it with your actions or with your words, and you're saying, do as I say, not as I do, that is hypocritical. And I just want to say that I don't know if it honors the Lord, and that is not hungering and thirsting for the things of God. And so that's what not to do. I want to tell you what, what to do. And, and I was reminded of a story of uh, I used to travel and speak to a lot of schools in my old job, and I literally would go speak about abstinence, which is saying no to the things you want to say yes to, but I couldn't talk about God, okay? So I was going to the public schools, and I was sharing my story because I, I did a lot of that stuff growing up, and so I, I would just share my story, and it was awesome. God would move, but I would always share this story about this dog, and you could look this up. There was this, this pregnant dog, and um, it was crossing the street. It got hit by a car, okay? It, the, it doesn't end bad, I promise. Y'all bear with me. And uh, it ends up giving uh, birth to these puppies, and the, the people who were working on this dog, the vets, were, were blown away because the mom, for the rest of its life, had back legs that were completely paralyzed. And so this dog would drag itself around its whole life. And the puppies, as soon as they, uh, you know, were able to move around and start walking, how do y'all think they walked? Just like their mom does. They, these little puppies, eight puppies, seven, however many, they would flail their front legs and they would pull their bodies. And, and it's like these, I was reading this article, this thing will preach, I'm just telling you. And it, this is what it said. It said, you have four legs that are completely fine. Why are you dragging yourself around? I remember I would go into schools and I would want to grab students by the shoulders and say, you got two legs, you got two arms, and you got a soul and a heart. And I'm telling you, and I had to be careful because I couldn't say God, okay? There is somebody that wants to use your life for good. Why are you walking around like people who've walked before you? Well, this happened and my mom did that, my dad did this. And I just want to tell you that God wants to use your life. And so today, everybody look at me. 
just because you've seen something done, done a certain way doesn't mean that you have to repeat it. Just because you've seen a, a version of Christianity modeled for you, you don't have to regurgitate that to your kids. There's a new way. There's a way of living that can honor the Lord. Write this down. I need to be what I want to see. I need to be what I want to see. If you want to see change, you have to be willing to be the change. And then people will follow. I love, uh, this is what our middle school and junior high ministry is built on and will be built on. 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. This goes for adults as well. It goes for adults as well. I love this Psalm 63. You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, it longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I edited it towards the family. This, don't be judging, okay? What would it look like if you could read it this way about your family? You, God, are our God. My family, we earnestly seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. I don't know about you, but I want that to be true about my family. And it's, it's not easy. So what do we do? Teach your family this. Teach your family that we don't just go to church. We are the church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. Y'all say it with me. We don't just go to church. We are the church. If this is a checkbox on your checklist, stop checking it. Take everything that you do in here to the world because this church is about Monday through Saturday. And on Sunday, we celebrate all that God did on those days. And, and this church will always, New Life Church will always be a place that equips the saints for the work of service. It'll be a house of worship. I believe it'll be a place where captives are set free and empowered to make a difference in the world. But your homes can do the same exact thing. And I believe that God wants to start shifting that in this place. Jesus doesn't just have my Sunday. He has my every day. I need to get that framed in my home. He doesn't just have my Sunday. We don't just look cute one day and kind of get it together. And then Monday through Saturday, we wild out, you know, like he has my every day. He has my every moment. He's in the middle of my life, not the corner of it. And so what do we do? Number one, write this down. A few little thoughts. Have discussion about Jesus daily. Well, Seth, I don't know where to start. I've got some advice. Number one challenge with that, eat around a dinner table at least three times a week. Just start small. It may just be once a week. If you just kind of disperse through the living room and everybody's taking food or doing whatever, if you eat around a dinner table and then you leave your phones in the kitchen and you put them under a little Tupperware jar, this is called phone jail. Everybody say phone jail, okay? <laughs> and just to bother you, leave it on loud. So when it rings, y'all are like twitching at the dinner table, right? <laughs> no, put it on silent, put it under a bowl, leave it in the kitchen, and just, just with that, God will move in your home. People will start talking to each other. It's crazy. Y'all, this is something we have to do in our home because it's so tempting when that phone is buzzing and it has all of our attention. Anybody been there? Challenge number three, pray over the meal and any needs that are in your family. And then number four, go around the table during dinner and ask questions like this. Hey, what are some highs and lows? What has God been teaching you? What's something you're thankful for? 
What's something you're growing in? What's something that you want to do to make a difference? What are some goals that you have? What's an area that you've dropped the ball? And if you're a parent here, listen to me. If you would set the tone of vulnerability in your home, your kids will be vulnerable as well. If you lead with vulnerability, it always breeds vulnerability. I promise you, God will show up at the dinner table. I was uh, laughing uh, a couple weeks ago, the week after Easter, um, I got home on Sunday and I said, Zane, you know, he just turned three. He doesn't really know much about God. We're really hoping he gets saved quick. Um, So I was asking him, I was like, Zane, what did you learn at church today? And he was like, Jesus was hungry, daddy. And I was like, what? What what are you talking about? And so I was laughing. I was like, no, really, Zane, what did you learn? He said it again, but he had a little sass, like a little attitude. Jesus was hungry, daddy. And I'm like, whatever. So I walked away, you know. (laughs) know, Later that night, me and Kendra were talking. I was like, babe, I was asking Zane about, you know, what what he learned. And, And he told me out of all things that Jesus was hungry, daddy. And she said, Seth. They taught him today in little life that after Jesus died and resurrected, he came back and he shared a meal with his disciples and that he was hungry and he ate. He broke bread with them. And I was like, my son's a theologian, you know, like, (laughs) but here's the thing is he's three years old and he wants to talk about Jesus. Maybe you've got a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old, or maybe it's just you and your spouse or you by yourself. Would you start talking about the things of God? I want my home to be a place where he can hear more about Jesus than anywhere else. Don't let anything dictate the discipleship that's happening in your home. You set the temperature. The second thing I wrote down is make prayer a priority in the word of God a necessity. Make prayer a priority in the word of God a necessity. Can I confess something to y'all? I fell into sin last week. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm joking. Lighten up, y'all are so serious today. I don't, I'm not good at praying. On my like tests, like every test I've taken, prayer and intercession is dead last. So you, if you ever wonder if your pastor's praying for you, the answer's probably no. Um, I'm sorry, okay, I do pray for you, I try, all right, I try. I'm joking. But prayer is, is not on the, like, the highest part of that list, and so I have to be diligent to pray. Every time I open the word, I love studying the word. I love writing messages to encourage people. I like to meet with people and serve people, build things for people, whatever. But y'all, when it comes to praying, I struggle with it. Does anybody else struggle with prayer? Like, I struggle with prayer. But it needs to be a priority. Because if I'm not praying over my kids every night, then who is? I remember I tucked Zane into bed the other night, and we have the same routine every night. I'm going to save you the details. It's a long process. It takes a lot to get that kid to sleep. But if you forget to pray for him, he will let you have it. He'll say, my daddy pray me. My daddy pray me. I'm like, yo, daddy's ready for bed. You need to pray for yourself. I've never said that, but (laughs) I'm, I'm not the best with prayer. And so maybe this isn't a strong part of your faith. Can I tell you that it just takes one step? It's as simple as this. I asked Zane, this is what we pray. God, will you help us go to sleep tonight? Please, God, help him go to sleep. (laughs) We've turned the doorknob around. We lock him in his room. Y'all probably, don't be judging, all right? Make it simple. It says, 1 John 5, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It it takes one step. Number three, get involved in the local church. Get involved in the local church. If you notice, 
I did not say just attend the local church. This one's gonna punch a little bit. There is a significant difference between attendance and involvement. Attendance, y'all remember in class when you would take roll, Seth, here. Attendance says I'm here. Involvement says I'm here to make a difference. Attendance says I wish that they would I wish they would fix that or do this or change that. Here's the reality. We probably need your ideas, but I don't listen to many of those if you're not involved. If you're not willing to say, hey, my family will step up to the plate and meet a need and make a difference, my ears for the most part are having a hard time listening. I'm going to listen to the people who are serving and they're wanting to make a difference. I'm not saying I'm ignoring people, but I encourage you to get involved. Y'all, look around. We need help. There's lights flickering. There's like. (laughs) We want you to be involved to make a difference at this church. This is what I believe. A family serving the local church makes Jesus smile. You want me to prove it to you? It, It makes the Lord smile. Do you know why I think that? Because this is his bride. If you want to know the way to my heart, it is not serving this church. It's serving my bride. When you love my bride and you serve my bride and you, and you honor her and you respect her and you love her and you're nice to her and you smile at her, oh, it's the key to my heart, baby. You can disrespect me all day long, but when you serve my bride, it changes everything. I actually like you. You could be mean. I like you if you're nice to Kendra. Did you know Jesus, he's looking at the way that we, we love and we serve his bride, which is the church and The last thing is this, if y'all would go ahead and stand to your feet. The last thing is this, number four, seek first. Everybody say first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his, here's that word again, righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. If we want a blessed home, we know what not to do. We know a few things we can do. I missed a lot of those things. We can't cover it all in just a few minutes, but I promise you if you would apply this to your family and your home and you would set the spiritual climate in your home, hey, y'all look at me, God will move. He's faithful. He'll do what he says he'll do. If you close your eyes, I wanna pray over you. If you want a blessed home today, it starts with simply seeking first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. Did you know that the Lord wants a relationship with you first? If you're a parent or a spouse, maybe you're in this place and you're far from God. Can I tell you that you are not too far to be rescued by his love and his grace? The cross was for you. His grace is for you. His blood was for you. And so today, everyone with eyes closed, heads bowed, I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you, that everything you would put your hands to would be blessed. Everything that you touch would be blessed. Your family would be blessed. Your children would be blessed. If If there's any that are far from God, that they would begin immediately in Jesus' name to run to the things of God, that they would hunger and thirst for righteousness and nothing else, because nothing in this world will satisfy. And so God, we speak these things, but Lord, just like we read in Deuteronomy, we don't wanna do anything without turning to you first. And so if there's anyone in this room that needs to do that today and turn towards Jesus and away from your sin, that's repentance. 
and maybe make Jesus the Lord of your life, today is a great day to do that. Just pray, God, would you change me from the inside out? I want to be a better follower. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better person. And God, would you begin to change me? I want the fruit of the Spirit to be tangible in my life. When people meet me, I want them to see you, Lord. I don't want them to see anything else. God, we ask that you would bless every home represented here today. Anybody that stumbles across this video, that they would be blessed, their families would be blessed. God, we want your word in our life to guide us. We want your spirit to guide our steps. And God, we call the family unit holy, just the way that you designed it, Lord. And we wanna seek you today.